Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ communities, this is Well, 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 brought to you every week by Thorn Harbour Health. You're listening to Well, Well, Well here on Joy 94.9, presented to you each and every week by Thorn Harbour Health. Here on Well, 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 we delve into the issues impacting and surrounding the health and well-being of our gender, sex and sexually diverse communities. I'm your host, Jacqueline Jan, and joined this week at the Victorian Pride Centre Studios by Michael Whelan. How you going, Michael? I'm doing fantastic. We're coming towards the end of Pride season. Yes. There is still a lot of stuff going on. Yep. I'm enthused. I'm excited. I'm... Just really glad we're up to be here. Yeah, just happy to be here. Happy to be nominated, really. (laughs) (laughs) Just, you know, it's the thought that counts. Um, Chill Out has just happened. I believe Cal was there uh, for a little bit. Um, So that was up at uh, Dalesford, I believe. Indeed, indeed. Uh, And it was celebrating, like... 25 years or something of Chill Out? Incredible. Incredible that we've got so many amazing queer pride festivals that happen throughout. We've just had a new one with Melbourne Pride. Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll be returning in future. Yeah, was was the impression that you got that it's going to be a regular event or is that just... I think they were playing it cool. They were like, we'll just do this one-off event and, and we'll secretly were like, goes. if it's really successful, we'll do this again. <laughs> and it was a fantastic day. So yes. I think it will probably, fingers crossed, be returning in some, in some capacity. I think it was a very uh, exciting day for our community. What else is, I mean, Bendigo is, is Bendigo Pride is what it's yeah, called? Yeah, Bendigo Pride is our um, fantastic regional rural Victorian yep. Pride Festival that happens um, directly after Chill Out. Yep. Um, so that'll be starting tomorrow, March 18, through till the 3rd of April. Right. Um, plenty of stuff to do. Uh, just a stone's throw from Melbourne. So jump the on the train. Rain out there, yep. yeah. Jump on the train. Only takes about an hour. Do a bit of a drive out. Go and see some stuff that's going on there. There's exhibitions. There's cabaret. There's performances. There's all sorts of things going on. They also have a digital lineup. So if you can't make it all the way ah. there to kind of bring everyone in together, there's a certain amount of events that are still happening online. So if you're in Maui or in Mildura and you can't quite make it there, you can still engage with the festival. Um, and they have some great animations that they've done for um, for the festival as well online. Very, very cute. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, so look, that's what's... Oh, actually, before we uh, jump into what's coming up this mm-hmm. week, we are still taking... Um, we're still interested to hear your uh, stories of sex over 60. Um, we have had a few responses so far, but we're keen to get a, a little bit more to kind of get a, um, I guess, a broader look at, because um, it's not just, you know, a single experience. It's multiple Indeed, experience. Yeah. So, um, look, if you are uh, willing to speak to uh, your experience of sex over 60 and you're part of our LGBTIQ communities, hit us up, well, 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 at joy.org.au uh, with uh, suggestions uh, or questions as well. In general, if you have something that you want to ask us about health, well-being, sexual health, mental health, we want to know about it. Indeed. Ask us questions, please, God. Um, especially if you are uh, having sex over 60, we want to know. Mm-hmm. Coming up this uh, episode, uh, we're going to be chatting to Esh, uh, who is the lead test facilitator at Thorn Harbour Health. Michael, why are we doing that? Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, no stranger to the program. We have had Ash on before to talk about um, sexual health, HIV, STIs. Yep. We are talking about STIs specifically this week. Yep. Uh, there has been a bit in the news if you 
follow what's going on in the mm. sexual health space or you're flicking through the you know the newspapers um, there was some recent uh, media excited. coverage of yeah of some um, uh, rises in particular STIs yes. um, one of those being gonorrhea particularly in our outer suburban of um, areas of Melbourne yep um, but just generally STIs are on the rise so yes. I thought it'd be good to just do a bit of a check in with Ash talk about particularly as we're coming out of restrictions and everyone's getting socially active again uh, just reminding sexually active sexually active exactly um, so just checking in with ourselves about our water routine is for testing for STIs HIV as well um, because that's a conversation that we're having this week yes. so yeah it'll be a bit of a bit of a 101 one on ones uh, if you need to re-engage with your testing or maybe you've never tested before and you don't know what you're up for that's mm. what we're going to be getting into this week. So we're going to be chatting to Ash, lead test facilitator at Thorn Harbour Health, this week on Well, Well, Well. You're getting Well, Well, Well with the team from Thorn Harbour Health. Jack and Michael with you here on Well, Well, Well. And we're joined now by Ash, lead test facilitator at Thorn Harbour Health. How are you going, Ash? Good, thank you. Welcome back to Well, Well, Well. It's been a while since we've had you on, but you are no stranger to the program. I'm not a stranger. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I guess... Tell us a little bit about your role. What does a peer test facilitator do? Okay, so I'm I'm the lead test facilitator at Pronto, and um, the role of a peer test facilitator is a little is a little mishmash of a um, we play the role of a peer educator, member of the community, um, a nurse. We do a little bit of counselling and support work. So it's a it's a little bit of everything. It's um, it's not a clear-cut role, as per se. The main reason why the peer role was, was established was because um, a lot of research was done on uh, um, people's interaction with um, the, the medical system, and it was found that um, people who came from the community tend to engage better mm. with members of the community. Um, so that's how the, the, the role was basically created. Uh, Pronto was, was, was uh, designed and um, it was adopted from a model um, of a similar facility called Magnet in San Francisco, yep. where it was purely run by members of the community for the community. Yeah. And so what does, uh, what does a visit for me as a, as a consumer say, I'm coming to get a, an STI screen or I want to do a rapid test? What does that look like when I see a peer test facilitator as opposed to going to a random clinic and seeing a general GP? Um, I think firstly, I think the time that we spend with people, we we have a set half an hour, which usually isn't something that tends to happen um, at a GP practice where people get to sort of unpack um, um, with what's going on. in, in their lives, primarily uh, regarding sexual health. Um, the service is also set up for mainly for people who are not on PrEP seeking um, rapid HIV testing. Mm-hmm. So the test takes about 20 minutes um, and we take the person through the whole process regarding um, what the test result may mean. So there's three main possible outcome of the result. Um, the test result could come back non-reactive, which basically means um, it has not or did not pick up any antigens or antibodies, but there's a 12-week window period that they need to cover. If the result comes back reactive, then uh, it could potentially be that it has picked up um, HIV antigens or antibodies or could be a false positive. Mm. And if that's the case, then uh, we will take the person through the whole process, support them through... 
um, send the, collect the blood, send the blood sample to the lab for a confirmation, give them uh, the final result. And um, and if the result comes back invalid, um, you know, it just means the test didn't work for some reason and we'll just repeat and do do another one. Uh, do another one. And we also, you know, in the meantime, while we wait for the rapid test, we offer the full STI screening as well, which includes uh, taking serology for HIV and syphilis, yep. um, swabs for swabs and urine for chlamydia and gonorrhea. Cool. Yeah. And we talk a lot about HIV on this program. Obviously, that's our bread and butter. That's mm. what we do. Um, but we did, um, you segued beautifully there because we do want to talk about some STIs today. Um, I wanted to start firstly with gonorrhea, which has been in the news a little bit of late. Um, we mentioned uh, earlier in the piece. Um, but we'll get into the why that's kind of come up in a little bit. Tell us generally, what does gonorrhea do? If I contract gonorrhea, what might I experience? Uh, it depends whether whether site of the infection is. Mm-hmm. It could either be in the throat, um, in the urethra, or in the rectum. Sometimes in the throat, it might be a little vague. Um, in some cases, um, people experience sore throat-like symptoms. If it's in the rectum and in the urethra, then it tends to be a little bit more severe, um, where. People may experience pain or discharge, um, mucusy sort of discharge, and uh, and gonorrhea usually in those um, areas tend to become symptomatic very quickly after the point of when the last sexual contact mm. happened. Mm. Um, so these are generally what we sort of experience. But then, having said that as well. There's a large number of people that we see who come in for asymptomatic screening and gonorrhea gets picked up. Yeah, mm. I have... Um, uh, myself, I'm always symptomatic for everything. Like, I get a cut on my finger and ev- the whole world knows about it. Drama queen. Uh, whereas I have, a, I have a close friend who is like, I've had a number of STIs and mm. every single time they've been asymptomatic. So right. you just don't know um, what you have until you get tested, which mm. is why, why we get tested. Absolutely. Um, and now treatment for gonorrhea is relatively straightforward. When you go and get your test, you can, you know, get a course of antibiotics and you get your treatment. Um, the big question on probably everybody's lips or, or urethra or bum oh, yep. is... Go down the list. <laughs> go down the list. Is, okay, I've had my treatment for gonorrhea. How long do I need to wait before I can start having, you know, sexy times again? The guideline says one should abstain from any sexual contact. Um, and this includes... Um, oral sex and kissing as well because mm. gonorrhea can be passed on mm. through through deep kissing yep. um, for seven days at least. Um, and then after that, um, people can resume yep. having sexual contact again. But I think that's the message where sometimes it can be a little unclear when, when, when uh, practitioners say... Um, abstain from any sexual contact well kissing is not technically considered sexual contact mm. that gets missed but particularly if you have pharyngeal gonorrhea you have it in mm. your throat and and again you go out clubbing and you mm. smack have a to- big night have a big night well mm. particularly like you said deep kissing you're really smacking tonsils with someone you can pass along mm. um it that way so so best to best to abstain from that as well unfortunately yep. absolutely mm-hmm <laughs> uh, and in terms of the um, the treatments, we have a lot of, you know, the general community listens to our program, but we have quite a lot of uh, people like yourself working in peer testing or, you know, nurse practitioners mm-hmm. or general practitioners, people that work in high caseload sexual health clinics. Um, 
what are the the best practice guidelines so someone comes into your practice and and presents with either symptoms for an STI or they want to screen how do I as a clinician perhaps how do I follow kind of best practice um, usually if people come in symptomatic we try to book them in um, for treatment straight away you don't want to let them hang around with the STI for too mm. long because you know in 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 some cases the symptoms don't they just remain the same consistently but in some cases they can just elevate mm. within within a couple of hours especially if it's in the urethra or, or in the rectum yep. um, so the first thing we do is we book the person in for treatment and also best practice in terms of best practice what that does is that the faster you get the person treated the lesser the chance that they could pass it pass it on mm. as well or it could develop like those symptoms could develop further i imagine as well further yeah, yeah. so you know you don't um especially if somebody comes in with symptoms say on a friday friday is usually tricky because um saturdays we've got very limited spots yeah for 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 treatment um melbourne sexual health or some gps are not open on the weekends yeah. as well mm. so the person may have to hang around until monday mm. in those cases what we do is if 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 someone rocks up on a saturday we tell them to go to the hospital straight away right a public hospital yeah. where they can get treated yeah. um um in in other contexts we also tell tell people to come back uh, in about 4 weeks for gonorrhea yeah. for a test of cure ideally i think that's good practice as well uh, just to make sure that the treatment has worked and the um, STIs have been cleared. Yeah, um, yeah, pretty much. Pretty mm. much. That's what we tend to advise when it comes to STIs. Test of cure um, for people that might not have come across that before, because I hadn't really. Is really just like a second round of tests a, a of STI round. tests to see that that make positive sure result isn't there. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because it, it's just to cover all all bases because in in sometimes in intimate relationships mm. some sexual contact may happen yep. within 7 days um um cross infection could have occurred um and just to cover all bases yep. we, we usually tell people to come back in about 4 weeks for yeah. another swab test for gonorrhea and thinking generally about sti testing if you're a, a relatively sexually active person you're sleeping with um casual partners every now and then how often should be should i be getting an sti or full full sexual health screening we say three months. Every three months, uh, one should get a routine test. Um, we're, we're, the guideline probably says that if you have, if one has anywhere more than four to five sexual partners in six months on average, uh, then three monthly, three monthly routine testing is advised. Um, but of course, if if the person is on prep, then um, if they are on daily prep, yep. they will have to go back to their GP for three months. Every three months, anyway. To redo that script processing. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, exactly. yeah. So yep. this kind of also applies for those that are not on prep, yep. um, who are using condoms consistently, but mm-hmm. who are having more than five sexual partners on in six months on average. We still advise a three-monthly yep. routine test. Cool. And as you said, there's a lot of STIs that can be transmitted, even when condoms used 100% of the time yes. for every single yep. sexual encounter. You know, people generally don't use them for oral sex. Yep. You can get a lot of things deep, deep kissing, kissing. Yeah. Um, some STIs just skin to skin contact is yeah. enough um, yeah. so regardless of what strategy you're using mm. testing yeah. frequently is absolutely that's a, that's a good one Michael mm. yeah that's because that, uh, there's a lot of misconception around how STIs are transmitted mm. and people often come in and say oh but I used a condom how did this happen uh, 
you know, if you know, um, with um, nudging, there's a bit of nudging, mm. dipping without mm-hmm. condom before putting on a condom before yep. penetration happens. Yep. STIs can be passed on. Yep. Like what you said earlier, if um, um, 99% of us don't use condoms for oral sex, that's how it gets passed on. Yes. Mm-hmm. Syphilis gets passed on from skin to skin contact. Yep. Um, kissing in some cases. Yep. So it's um, yeah, it's 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 a big gray area. Sexual sex and sexuality uh, sexuality is a big gray area, and we also often have, in some cases, men who top only mm. come back uh, with anal chlamydia or gonorrhea, and they mm. don't know how it got there. Yeah, and hence why we say. You know the sex act. It's a it's a grey area. Mm. You know, so even you if get lost in the moment, and you, you can't remember who's done what to who. As long as it, you know, bo- you both enjoyed it consensually. Yes. Yes. Heat of the yeah. moment. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, now, of course, if you are um, apprehensive about letting someone know that you've picked up an STI, um, because that's an important part of the process too. You pick up an STI. You want to let your sexual partners know so they can get a, go and get a test. You don't want to pass it back and forth and pass it on to another person. Um, there are services that you can use. If you're a little bit apprehensive about texting people through, um, you can send them a free anonymous message. Uh, all you have to do is simply head to thedramadoutunder.info uh, and the service will do all the work for you so long as you know their um, mobile number, mobile number or, or their e- email email address. Yep. Yep. Um, if you didn't exchange those details, maybe you might want to flick them a message on your preferred dating app or however you might have uh, set up your dalliance. Yes, I not guess. on Facebook. Um, and you can even exactly tell them on Facebook. Shoot them a messenger. Um, send them a meme. Send them a meme. You've got an STI. Oh. Lovely. Um, <laughs> you can even select the specific STI. So, for example, you know, I've picked up chlamydia, yes. gonorrhea, syphilis, whatever it may be. Let them know so they can take that along to their. Test and make sure they can get tested as well Absolutely. so that you can all get back together and enjoy some sexy times again yep. very soon. Um, now, some of our friends from across at the Melbourne Sexual Health Centre were in the media recently talking about a, a real rise we've seen in gonorrhea, particularly in some of the, I believe, outer suburban areas. Um, can you tell us a little bit about STI rates and, and what you've seen going on? Um, it sort of fluctuates, mm. Jack. It, 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 it's... Um, it's seasonal. Sometimes we see syphilis on the rise. Some 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 weeks, some months, it's chlamydia. Now it seems to be gonorrhea. Um, in the outer suburbs, I suppose, and 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 um, and this is a discussion that we've always had in our team as well, and within the wider community, uh, members of the community from inner um, Melbourne, mm, the inner city, yeah, in the inner city, people are. People are very well versed mm. with um, routine testing, yep. but I think the further you go out, um, firstly, access to services, LGBTIQ inclusive services, that falls off. Yeah, it falls off. Um, people don't get clinicians primarily don't offer the right sort of testing or don't even want to talk about yeah um, sexual health screening. Um, so I think as it as it goes further out. Um, there's also members of the community possibly that are that are not out mm-hmm. yeah. um, who aren't getting those sort of um, um, regular testing messages mm, so this is this is just an opinion mm. um, but um but we do see a lot of um, community members who come in from the outer suburbs who come in. Uh, for testing, who ask us a lot of questions, and uh, it sort of somehow seems to correlate. Inner yep. city um, queer folks 
They, they People know. are across it. Yeah, they are, they are mm. across it. They yep. they know exactly what's happening, but they're yeah. Yeah, That's, to go back to what yeah, you said about, yeah. about you know, the, the value of, of a peer-led service, this yeah. person can come out from yeah. regional, outer suburban Victoria that may not be, you know, connected to the scene or yep. to their community. So that touch point with you maybe is their connection to the scene. So they're asking all those rapid-fire mm. questions Absolutely. around community and risk and yep. how to prevent things and not passing them on and, and just absorbing all that knowledge knowledge while they can. So, yeah, a, a really impactful service that we run. Absolutely. And the other thing as well, uh, Jack and Michael, mm. is that we use grassroots language. Mm. Uh, we don't edit the language that we use. So if someone comes in and says top or bottom or, you know, um, I got fucked raw, yeah. we don't correct them yeah. mm-hmm. because that's how we connect with people. Mm. That's that's the language that's used in the community. Yeah. So we don't sort of like uh, sugarcoat and edit and, 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 and make it all clinical yes. because that can be off-putting. Mm. for a lot of people so that's that's i think that's what makes it special because time and time we've had people who've come in and said i have never had such an honest conversation about my sexual health anywhere wow so like i said just so reassuring and empowering totally totally yeah Yeah. um now ash gonorrhea isn't the only bug floating around um so Getting a regular sexual health screening, you were saying earlier, for all sorts of things, is a great way to keep your sexy health in check. Thanks for that, Michael. Um, <laughs> what else might we encounter if we're sexually active out and about? Um, like, let's talk about syphilis. What is syphilis and how might that, um, how might people see syphilis? Syphilis is a, syphilis is a viral infection. Yep. Um, and syphilis has a, the same window period as um, HIV. Which is six weeks. Yep. Yeah. Syphilis is usually covered in a blood test. Syphilis, um, from from what we've experienced, it can also be quite vague when mm. it comes to symptoms. Um, we've had a lot of situations where people have just missed those symptoms entirely. Uh, yeah. Entirely. So the primary um, syphilis um, symptom is what we would call a chancre, um, and it might appear like a a rash and it could be around the mouth or inside the mouth around the rectum on the shaft vaginal or the front hole it's 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 um and sometimes it can be missed as just as a sore right um and then it'll disappear and then the second stage is um is um is what we see as syphilis rash like symptoms mm-hmm. um in, in, uh, we have seen in some cases where it has appeared on the palms and on the body, um, on the torso. Yeah. But even that could be sometimes mis, misconstrued. Yeah, you might just think you've used a different body wash and you've had yep. a bad reaction. You've had a reaction. Or, yeah. You've, yeah, allergy. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we don't want to miss those bits. Yeah. Yep. And, and hence why... Um, we definitely encourage people to come and get tested every three months. Syphilis is the one that we probably would say we, we do have some concerns because when it goes to the third stage, then uh, it can be detrimental to the health. Um, Whereas with chlamydia and gonorrhea, yes, there's a lot of pain, but once they are treated, they're pretty much gone. It's not too big of a problem. It's not too big of a problem. What are some of those longer-term effects, uh, especially if syphilis is untreated? Uh, 
tertiary syphilis is what we call it. We yep. don't really see that a lot in the community these days, but they do sometimes come up. Um, it's because people haven't been tested for a long time, for mm. years and years and years. Yep. And once it goes to the brain, then uh, it's usually not a good sign. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It it can really. Um, yeah. It can be fatal in some cases as well. Right. So, again, important to get tested, particularly if you are sexually active, you haven't had a test for a while. And like you said, if you haven't picked up any symptoms Mm. or maybe you've dismissed the symptoms as something Mm. else, it's really good to just check that off. Make sure that everything's all hunky-dory and, uh, again, that you're not passing things on to um, your playmates, as it were. Playmates, yes. Mm. (laughs) Another thing maybe I should say as well, Jack and Michael, is that... In regards to people who are on prep on demand, yes, mm. because they don't get the script or see a GP every mm. three months, we do notice they don't get tested very regularly. Right. So maybe what I would suggest as well is that if you're using prep as on demand, yeah, still continue to get that. Do three those month. three months. Yeah. Tests. What yep. what a lot of what we talk about in communities. Okay, so you're using prep on demand, for example, for so for those. Those listening at home that aren't as familiar with PrEP, generally you get tested every three months. You get a script for three months' worth of PrEP that you take every day. Whereas if you're seeing using it on demand, you might get that script for three months of PrEP. Yep. But three months of PrEP, in air quotations, you might only be taking four pills a week. You might only be taking four pills a month. So that medication is actually going to last you a lot longer. So you don't have the impetus to return as often. Yes. Um, so I think what you were saying is you... Do your seasonal testing, so go every three months and make sure that you're getting your testing done, but then maybe you don't need the script filled every time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or just get fill one bottle, you get provided three bottles or three packets, mm. only fill one, yeah. and then just kind of see how you go. Yeah. Because those sit there as repeats, you can then go back and get them as repeats. Absolutely. If you're having a... You know, a busy season. Especially, well, also, if um, there are people out there that maybe the financials of taking prep every day might be a concern, right? Because, yeah. um, I mean, it's not, you know, I would say an overly expensive medication, but if you're getting it refilled every three months, that's that's not a, you know, zero amount of money. Yeah. Holding on to that stuff, the, te- the test itself isn't costing you money. Well, it can. So, right. it, and, and again, with the PrEP medication, if you're not eligible for Medicare, the cost of purchasing PrEP, can you know, you can buy higher. it online, yes. that can be higher, but the cost of testing can be, you know, an exorbitant amount of money. And right. if people are not sure about, you know, private health cover and things, that can be a real barrier to getting a test if yeah. they're not really sure what the clear costs are. Absolutely. And in those circumstances, when people have obtained PrEP, they might want to stretch it. They might, mm. might yes. want to use it as PrEP on demand. Yep. Uh, but then maybe have this misconception that, hey, I've got my three-monthly supply, which is going to stretch me for a Ages. year. Yeah. And I'll come, I'll, I'll, I'll think about, um, getting an STI test in a year's time, mm. and in that period of time, they could be they could have been exposed to STI. So we, we, maybe it's just good to just reiterate that. Yeah, yeah. and um, just cycling back to syphilis, it's a funny one because if you've if you're someone that's ever had syphilis before, when you go back and get a regular sexual health screening, it can come up again on the test, even if you've been tested, treated, you've cleared the infection, it can kind of hang around as like a marker, right? So yeah. is that really important to tell? Your, re- your tester when you when you go along that yes I've had syphilis before yep. maybe let's check if it's a new infection absolutely I think it's very important to tell the clinician um, or, or the service that you've had a, a past 
infection with syphilis because the markers will always remain. Um, and sometimes we it's probably good to know what was the um, the result, um, the status of the result from the last test mm-hmm. because new infections can occur. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and uh, sometimes I do have people um, throwing questions at me that, oh, but I've had syphilis before. Well, you can... Get you can reinfected. get it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can get reinfected. So if um, um, so, it's good to know uh, your last result when you're going into a new service, yeah. so that you can tell the clinician that hey, this was the uh, the number that was in the in the last result, mm. um, so that we we will know uh, we can ascertain whether this is a new infection or this is from um, markers from a, a past infection. Indeed. Yeah. And now uh, syphilis is um, quite common amongst men who have sex with men in particular. And most cases were amongst our kind of queer men's community prior to kind of that 2014 era. Um, but there's really been a jump in cases amongst other populations, you know, amongst um, particularly young women mm. of, um, you know, childbearing age. Um, so I guess the conversation there is, is it more important that we expand this conversation around testing to everyone you know you you were saying before that if you're not community attached you may and you're a man who has sex with men you might be missing some of that messaging that that is being sent out there so do we need to have a broader conversation around sti testing i think so i think we we definitely need to have a broader conversation but the thing is culturally i think within the lgbtiq community we've been ingrained Mm. to talk about that yeah um to even notify someone anonymously or um, to disclose your um, identity mm. is not a big deal. Yeah. Whereas uh, that may not be the case in the wider community mm. because because talking about sexual health or sex in general mm. is still a big taboo subject. So there's that social sort of uh, barrier that is not the same as as what we experience mm. in our community. So. So, like, for example, you know, um, when we um, diagnose someone with, with an STI, um, most of the time, 90% of the time, people will be like, yep, yeah, I'll, I'll notify the person. Mm. Yeah. And then their friends will come in for testing without having to carry any sort of, like, stigma or shame. Yeah. Um, because we've gone past that. We've worked towards going past that mm-hmm. in the community. Um, people have no issues. But I think if you were to speak about that, maybe towards maybe... Um, a, a, a cis heterosexual community mm. it might be a bit hard it might yeah. be a bit tricky yeah uh, i know i've had conversations with my you know cis heterosexual friends and mm. said you know p- people might go to a party and then di- be diagnosed with gonorrhea straight after yep. and message all 12 people that they went to a, a sex party with and be like hey guys just letting you know probably time to get a test i picked something up and then it's just a non issue and they were like that's mind boggling that you just yep. have this this level of carefree attitude and like you said lack of stigma towards STIs so it would be great to see that kind of destigmatization of STIs I mean also I mean throughout. when you when you look at a situation like that like what you're describing is contact tracing yeah, more or exactly. less and so yeah. I think after the, the last two years especially I think certain um like parts of our LGBTIQ communities have been like, okay, cool, I was at an exposure site, I'll go and get tested, etc. Um, and now, potentially, talking about that conversation with the broader community, they might be increasingly open to having that conversation, um, as much as there might still be stigma or taboo around sexual health in, in mm. those straight communities. Um, or other other as well. Um, I, I guess as well, because 
Michael, you mentioned um, there being a jump in cases of syphilis among young women. For anyone mm. conceiving, uh, congenital syphilis can be passed on to the baby in the uterus too, right? Yeah, there's, um, there's been a couple of cases of congenital syphilis that have been around, and they weren't really that common before mm. a couple of years ago. So I guess that speaks to generally, you know, if you're... You know, if you're conceiving, you're probably engaging in insects. Mm. Um, so it's probably worth roping in a general sexual health test with your partner, even if you've been together for like five, ten years, yeah. just to make sure that you're not passing anything along to bub when you're conceiving. Um, and potentially just for each other, you know, relationships have slip-ups. It's probably a good idea to just get a regular sexual health screen, yeah. regardless of whether you are yeah. in, a, in an apparently monogamous relationship with just one other person. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um... Look, Ash, thank you so much for joining us this week on Well, Well, Well. Um, I guess if people are kind of... We've piqued uh, people's curiosity around um, testing for HIV and STIs, etc. Um, where can they, I guess, go to find out more? So um, I would suggest uh, jumping onto the uh, Thorn Harbour Health website yep. and click the link um, on uh, Pronto and um, you can make an online booking. Indeed. And if, you are, if you're not anywhere near Pronto, you're listening somewhere else around Victoria or even indeed Australia, um, head to thedramadownunder.info and there's a great list of clinics there, particularly going back to what we were saying around, um, you know, you want to access a queer-friendly service mm. or somewhere that has an HIV specialist on hand or deals in prep. You can kind of filter by the kind of clinic that you want to find, find one that's close to you um, and break down those barriers around STI testing. Absolutely. Mm. Thank you again, Ash. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. You're getting well, well, well with the team from Thorn Harbour Health. I'm feeling very well, well, well. I'm feeling exceptionally well, well, well after today's conversations. <laughs> Look, I mean, the takeaway here really is go and get tested. What's the excuse? Right, you've got... Where is it? I can't see it. I can't see an excuse. You can <laughs> see an incredible LGBTI-specific yes. sexual health clinic. You could grab your own self-test kit. Yep. You could order it online. You could do whatever. Um, go to a massive big sexual health clinic. Um, there's yeah, there's tons, so many options. Yeah, tons of different ways. Um, look, if you are wanting to see more uh, about uh, the testing that Thorn Harbour Health does, um, I believe you can go to the Thorn Harbour Health website, thornharbour.org. Um, the Pronto service that we operate... So you can just head also- to pronto.org.au and that will just head you straight to the Thorn Harbour page yes. and you can book an appointment there. That will also link you through to our Equinox Trans and Gender Diverse Healthcare Service yep. uh, as well as the Centre Clinic based on Fitzroy Street in within the Pride Centre. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, look, that is the show for this week. Uh, I will ask again. I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you once more. Yeah. Uh, we have a we're wanting to speak about um, sex over sixty because um, I, I feel like people are like we, pe- people just don't think about sexual activity after a certain age, right? And so we're kind yeah. of curious about um, how to demystify yeah. that. Like I, I think cows said something to the effect of they're not seen as sexual beings. Yeah, well, there's this people... misnomer. That, yes. that just because you get to a certain age, you stop becoming sexually active which is absolutely not true yeah absolutely not true no <laughs> um so let us know uh, your experience well 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 at joy.org.au uh, indeed you can send us any questions or suggestions for content um if you want to know about sexual health mental health um general well-being send us to that email we well, would love to hear from you well well.org.au well well at joy.org.au that's the one that's it um look Thank you very much for joining me in the studio today, Michael. It's been an absolute delight. Well, I'm glad that you thought that. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> um, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Well, 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 your show for LGBTIQ health and well-being, presented by Joy Sponsor, Thorn Harbour Health. For more on these topics and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website, thornharbour.org. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy.